Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 24th, 2014. First off, I'd like to mention the ongoing incredible chemtrailing, or the experts call it, of course, the ones involved in it are called, they're called geoengineers. And for those who bore to follow that kind of thing, uh, they've put out their latest report from the geoengineering groups and so on on uh, weather uh, modification. If they ever went ahead and did it, that is, of course, and the ethics involved. Ethics comes into everything today, doesn't it? And, uh, and people are always, always, when it comes to propaganda, and those who rule over us in the techniques that they use always use uh, terminology which often means something completely different from what the ordinary people understand, and therefore they're misled by it. In fact, they, they go back to sleep, think, oh, it's ethical. It's, ethics sounds good. It's like being social. If you're a social person, it's a good person. And then you end up going into socialism, and you get a whole supposed science and belief system of how society should be run, and even done to even killing off those folk who don't work and stuff like that. Eventually, you see. First they'll use different techniques to get lots of folk not to work, and then they'll just get rid of them. It's, it's, I don't care what things are called, it's always the same system. And uh, but it's fascinating to me to, to listen to the experts, as I say, experts, awfully well-paid experts with lifelong grants, of course, and uh, getting applause from all the other people in academia, all their peer group to, to, to go along there. It's almost like the Golden Awards and different awards they give at film festivals and Hollywood, and they call themselves honorables and esteemed and all that kind of thing. And any person who truly uh, believes he's an expert in anything is a fool, because in any science, of course, uh, all you have is premises and theories, basically. Very often, in fact, things actually work, physically work, for the purpose that things like machines are designed to do. Uh, very often, they're not quite certain why th- certain things do work. They've got all these theories about it. It's like electricity, for instance. And... But you'll find the same thing as with these people who approve of each other and are very polite to each other because they're all on the gravy train, basically. And academia is full of them and all the societies and agencies they belong to right up on, uh, into the political realms too and, and the committees that sit and advise presidents and prime ministers on how we should all behave, etc. So ethics can, be, can mean something totally different uh, in, in actual fact than what you think it, it really is. Uh, you've been trained to think that people who are into bioethics are somehow in there to, to look after the good of all life. But now economic factors come into it and all these things come into it. And so you have the end-of-life programs and so on and so on, and she will withdraw food. Even the Catholic Church is getting into that now. And what's really ethical how can something be right for thousands of years and then suddenly, well, change a little bit? Not not quite right. Well, it's not quite right. It's either the same or it's different. It's that or it's not that, right? So you can't just throw something that's always right out the window and say, well, you know, certain things are ethical to help the person along to the end. And that goes through all of the, 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 the nonsense the people can delude themselves into believing when they're involved, especially in the decision-making at the top, including bioethics committees. They never question themselves. They're incredibly fat paychecks. The esteem they get, which goes to their ego, of course. And if you had a true 
debate going on, for instance, or, or even lecturing going on in questions and answers at the end of it in academia, you would, you would have vehement arguments going on, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because, as I say, it's like a Hollywood uh, Oscar award or something like that. And they won't rock the boat. In other words, truth can never be told, and, 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 and honesty cannot be spoken of in the so-called even bioethics committees that are involved in every aspect of our lives. Not just physical, by the way, but mental health as well, for those who don't know that. I've often mentioned that every society and every era has its, its form, it's the whole form of society, its belief structure shaped by those who rule it. And those who rule you will always rationalize eventually, after a generation or two, why they're beneficent and, and why they're doing it for the good of all. Although they're always living way, way above those at the bottom that do all the work. So human beings basically are awful hypocrites. And we can delude ourselves in your doing and going along with things, especially when it's approved by governments, and, and the governments therefore dictate to society, society therefore um, will, will go along with it too, because that's the reality that's been given to them. So today we're into the age of geoengineering and, uh, and chemtrailing, of course, because it's more than just altering the weather. There have been too many studies done, I've gone through many of the talks in the past, and, and uh, the reports from their different lectures, going into the fact, and, and also put out the links, if you go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, go through the links, or you can go through Alan Watts Sentient Sentinel.eu, and you'll find them there, because it's important to understand some of the history of it, and what has been published in the past, that gives us inklings of what's really going on. And I've gone into the fact that many scientists some of who are even on YouTube were involved in this even in the 70s and 80s. And their initial uh, program was to find ways of using electromagnetic energy and impulses and waves and frequencies to alter brainwaves in humans, not just uh, at a small distance and locally, but on a national scale. And some of them talked rather openly about it. They didn't say if they'd achieved it, of course, naturally, because it's under the Official Secrets Act, but... They did say that they're involved in that. We do know that, uh, uh, that, that, that they needed to spray the atmosphere heavily with uh, various uh, particulates, metallic generally particulates, and uh, to make it more conducive to electromagnetic energy, like a circuit, you might say, and uh, it would travel long distances at the, the specified frequencies. And they could also alter the weather at the same time. And going back to even Teller, who came up with the H-bomb idea, he also came up with the idea of spraying the atmosphere for weather warfare, but also for using electrochemical uh, uh, frequencies in the air. They all work together, the chemicals and, and the electricity the impulses. We're in that age today, and Brzezinski mentioned it as well uh, in his book, Between Two Ages, that... He said eventually we could use the, the he called it technotronic warfare techniques across whole nations. It could make people aggressive or passive, whatever they, they wanted, depending on the actual frequency they used. There's been so many studies done on temporal lobe, uh, the emotional state is based there basically often too, and even irrational uh, thinking in situations can be affected by uh, altering the frequency in the temporal 
lobe. So uh, everybody's using cell phones today. You don't need to use a cell phone because you're getting bombarded by the waves. And the big boys are awfully excited about it. We're being studied, as always, but more minutely than ever, with the techniques available today uh, to see the effects on the general populations. And with certain countries that have national healthcare systems, and with the internet and then the mandatory uh, reporting of uh, giving access by doctors and hospitals to the government on a daily basis, they can. It's so so fast and automatic today. Then they can keep tabs on the physical effects as well of people who are succumbing to the the the, the barium, the strontium, the aluminum oxide, etc. All the different particulates they're using in this heavy heavy geoengineering program. It's quite something. So they know what they're doing. And, of course, the bioethics committee uh, committees are involved, too, in deciding what's enough and what's uh, maybe excessive and, and all these moral judgments, etc. What's acceptable loss, you might say, um, in the population. To save the world, you understand, uh, as they'll rationalize it to themselves. I often wonder, you know, because, again, the hypocrisy of human beings is astonishing. It truly is astonishing because, again, you're trained to think by the incredible propaganda that's been so well established in history, but it took off like a rocket with the invention of the radio initially. And then uh, the, the cinema, early cinema, even even the, uh, the black and white ones they were using, the silent ones they would use for propaganda purposes for World War I. And Ed Bernays was involved in that. And they went into uh, propaganda for World War II with the talkies and all that. And uh, incredible propaganda, incessant propaganda uh, that was spewed out. And, and the folk get, got caught up. That's what was the intention. You, you caught them up in their daily routines to train them, to train them to be rationed for everything. You trained them for behavior modification. And you trained them too that their lives were in imminent danger if the government wasn't given total control. And therefore people that readily accepted the fact that total control was already uh, taken by the government. They, were, uh, they had it all. And, uh, and when they even shot farmers, for instance, in Britain, who refused to comply with certain orders from government on how to farm, what to farm, and all the rest of it, the government would come, and even how much to produce, by the way, even often on unusable land, couldn't be used, uh, they, would, they would kill them. So the people who did the killing, of course, would rationalize their, their part in it too, saying he's a bad man, he's not going along with the war effort, and uh, that was the police and anybody else involved in it. And, and so, again, getting back to the basic premise, human beings are incredible hypocrites. We truly are. We, we can delude ourselves, delude ourselves into believing anything if we benefit personally from either the status of our position. And that goes for all those in, 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 in academia. And uh, those who get the most applause because they'll be made like superstars with their names getting put up there. I've gone into the fact that the, the whole uh, culture creation industry that creates stars out of nobodies um, also uh, has a branch. And I've mentioned who they were and so on in the past uh, programs. Again, go into the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, how they create scientists to be stars too. Because they, they then 
um, they're so brilliant, obviously. We're told they're so brilliant. We stand in awe of them. And that whenever they say something, uh, it must be true. Because uh, I'm so stupid, I, I can never think of that myself. And therefore, they, I must be true. And and uh, and therefore, you'll, you'll, you'll take their opinion on something very quickly and go along with it. Uh, we're, we're, these are all professional techniques of, I, I call it herd management, because elite initially called it herd management. And we are the herd, you see. But it's so true, and I've mentioned it before many talks, how people become their jobs. They become their jobs. And the job can dictate what kind of personality transformation you will have according to the job that you take on. Uh, you think about those in authority. Those in authority, right down to civil servants or, say, inspectors for, for land or whatever, they become what their job is. Uh, they'll go out on to... They're, they're, they're paid by the taxpayer. Remember that, number one. Uh, they are paid more than average person who actually digs a, says does a digging on a farm. Uh, very often. And, but their job is to get more off that farmer uh, because they personally will benefit too. I mean, a pay raise is going to come down the pike if you can get more taxes out the farmer and that goes along with all sort of housing and everything else in areas and societies too, not just the farms. So uh, that person uh, then will, will, if a person doesn't comply with something and some uh, say new ruling is unjust, they'll go along with it regardless because, uh, because they become their job and they're hypocrites. Uh, rather than say, this isn't really right, uh, they'll do the nasty. Policemen will do it too because they become their job. And during their training and eventually their career, uh, they'll lose the part of humanity uh, that said, that says, well, I've done that too, whatever it happens to be. They're criticizing or booking somebody for or whatever, or giving them a ticket. They've done it too, you see. Well, how, how can you hand tickets out for things that you've done as well? Is that complete hypocrisy? But you see, it's okay if they do it because they knew they were doing it. And they'll say, well, you, you, you did it, you know, and you knew it was really wrong. I, I did it, but I was either young then or whatever it was. There's, there's always an excuse to rationalize what they do. Uh, because they're getting paid for it. They've got a status that gives them extra perks and respect, uh, which they wouldn't get in ordinary life, you see. Soldiers get the same thing. And they, they, they do what they're ordered to do, all their personal reservations about, is this situation right or wrong that I'm in at the moment? Being told to do this, they'll, they'll do what they're, they're told to do. Obedience to authority, of course. And I've gone through the different experiments that have been done in the past um, in the U.S. and universities to do with that very subject and how they will they'll obey any command, most folk, if someone in authority tells them to do it because in a psychological process, they transfer the guilt on the person that gives the order. So they're like the robot that simply pulls the trigger, you might say, and shocks the person on the other side of the machine. That kind of thing. That's a standard trait within humanity. But at the top of all of this is the economic factor as well, remember. Because how can you possibly talk about being altruistic or doing what's right for society and the good of all, etc., if your paycheck is so damned fat 
uh, up at the top of the bioethics committees or medicine or whatever it happens to be. And you have all these acclaim, acclamation given to you and all these awards given to you because they love to give each other awards. And, uh, and meanwhile, you, you wonder why patients aren't doing so well when they're discharged and back into the same societies. Such hypocrisy. Because they'll never touch the fact we're all living in a bogus money system where it doesn't matter even for someone who saved a few pennies is devalued the next day by people who'll never meet or say it's market forces. A thousand billion excuses. RNC is totally corrupt and it's rigged and always was. You see. So these things are never touched within within organizations where folk uh, become their job. And they're so proud to tell you what they do. I used to be amazed, at, and because we came, I came from, from Britain, for instance, to Canada, and went through the States as well. They, what astonished me was, in Britain, you generally visited people to, to see people. Uh, and if what they worked at was mentioned, it, it came out because it was something to do uh, with, with something else it mentioned it wasn't the main object. People in, in the U.S. and Canada, right off the bat, would ask you what you worked at. In fact, I was a bit stumped as to say, what, what do you do? Well, I do lots of things, you know. You know, I do lots of things. And it's like saying, do you, do you, I, well, I sit and read books or, you know, I go for walks and, uh, you know. It doesn't occur to you right off the bat that that's what you work at. That's what they're referring to. Uh, referring to, and there's definitely often culture clashes between different groups traveling to what they think are very much the same uh, societies as the ones have left. So you can imagine how it would be for people of totally vastly different cultures coming to the West, for instance, and having this cultural shock. And there's such a thing as cultural shock for some of them. So we're managed, the, the, the bottom line is we're managed on so many different levels and since World War II especially, they learned so much from World War I and their techniques of mobilizing nations for war. And so much, and it really had perfected it by World War II that George Orwell even got his idea for 1984 from all the propaganda that was incessantly pumped out during World War II. We're all in it together. You know, Great Britain has, has, has made so many thousands of tanks this week and so many Spitfire aircraft and so many bombs and all the rest of it. And he brought that into his, his book, 1984. He also worked for the propaganda department within the BBC, where he said in his own writings that his job was to convince uh, the British people that who were incredible rationing and that a lot of substitutions for food and so on it was convinced them that the garbage they had, again, experts come on and tell them uh, for these menu shows and recipe shows, uh, the garbage they were being taught to eat was, was pretty well inedible. But his job was to convince them it was wonderful. And he went along with it too, by the way. And he got paid for it. And he, he never said he was ashamed for doing it. So in other words, it's ethically right to lie to people uh, when uh, those who run your country have decided, and, and, and again, it's obedience to authority, isn't it? Someone above you says, it's, it's okay, go ahead and do this, we'll pay you to do it. Uh, then you can do it. 
And yet we have these farces like the Nuremberg trial where the common answer as to why they went and killed prisoners and so on was because uh, uh, they were ordered to. What's the difference? What's the difference? Uh, how can you live and, and how are we all supposed to go through life conning ourselves? See, someone puts a con on to you, but it really is up to you where you want to accept the con and go along with it and be fooled. It's an easy way out, isn't it? Because once again, it's obedience to authority. I, I suspect this is a con, but you're supposed to go along with it, so I'll go along with the con. And yet we're told to be truthful and honest and all the rest of it. It's, it's so schizophrenic, isn't it? But again, that's, that's the techniques that are used. These are the techniques that are used in the people which make them schizophrenic to an extent. Um, I don't mean that in a psychotic way. I'm talking about that in their, their bizarre behavior you'll see busting out all over uh, from young people and, and different groups and so on. Uh, and uh, we can all be modified and altered according to the the wishes of the state at that particular time. It's quite easy to do. Getting back to George Orwell, I was thinking, uh, the technique, as I say, during World War II, especially with, uh, I mean, you, you understand, in two years, just in two years of World War II, the, the Ministry of Agriculture churned out more than 2,000 propaganda documentaries for the farmers, just for the farmers. That was just in two years. This was, and they had, they, remember, they went on from 1939 to 1945, and afterwards, by the way, for rationing and all that, and excessive food production. And you can imagine the bombardment. Every farmer would attend these things and be caught up in the propaganda. It's very simplistic in a way. It's very Orwellian, simplistic propaganda. And, and, and what they're telling you is this, you're a good person if you... If you do all that we're saying to do, you're a good person. So even the good society of the time is ordered completely from above. Uh, What is a good society? What's a good farmer? What's a good this, that, the other, fireman, you name it. What, What is a good person? That's always the same. Now, if goodness is an innate quality within people's, then why should we modify it at all? But again, you're in a commercialized economic system. It's, ne- it's never touched by anybody, especially those in, 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 in academia. It's never touched by them. Is that you can't, you can't be honest about anything unless you address the problems, all the problems. And the big one is, really, what are we here for? And then you go into the spiritual areas because there's a spiritual side of human nature in all societies, all societies, in all times. And that's the purpose of life and so on. And the so-called arrested civilizations, uh, what, what the West uh, or, or so-called ultra-civilizations uh, mean by that is that Societies that make all that they need to exist upon and have no commerce as such as we think of it as commerce or profit uh, and they're completely sustaining and look after each other. Uh, we call them primitive and arrested, you see. Even though they could survive for another million years if nothing else happens to the world, 
uh, and just as well as they have in the past. We can't, because as Plato said, the more advanced the civilization, the easier it is to fall. It's all interdependent and woven, because it's so far removed from self-preservation from the bottom level, meaning you, you make your own food and you go hunting yourself or whatever it happens to be. You're dependent on others to do a lot of that for you. And we push papers and punch buttons on computers, you see, today. So the technique is to get you wrapped up in propaganda. And that gets you on the roll. Why do you think since 9-11, with an incessant, incessant, read this, read that, read this, read that. Here's the news, 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 news. Why, Why is that? Why is that? Especially when you read the, the, the wars and little wars all the countries have been involved in, uh, right through the 20th century, in between the major wars, the ongoing wars and so on, uh, that were kept fairly quiet for, for, for many decades, in fact. Why is it suddenly important that we're all involved in terrorism, 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 terrorism? And it's called terrorism because this is the century of change, remember. I've gone through this in great detail. That uh, is the century of change. It's where all the big plans for the good society, and that's defined by those at the top, um, have to be done. Including transhumanism and all of that. And the training of the rest of society in different stages to go along with transhumanism. Uh, life extension for some, but not for everyone, because it will depend on how important you are to society. See, that's all been discussed and let out on occasion to familiarize yourself with the concept of it. That's how you're trained, to get gradually familiar without really thinking or reasoning through it. So that you're ready for it. Well, I guess they have to do that, but I'm not really worth enough to, to save at the end, sort of thing. And, and so on it goes. So we're caught up with this madness of uh, propaganda incessant. And I often say there's nothing you can believe on the media to do with the wars uh, that's, that's factual, actually completely factually true. Some parts may be true, but the causes, the reasons, um, victories, defeats, you, you have to take with a pinch of salt. Especially when you have so many agencies and counter-agencies all working uh, for creating information and disinformation that you can't take anything and say this is absolutely true, absolutely true. But again, why are you being caught up in it? Well, the reason I've mentioned before was an article that was put out in one of the military magazines, the main military magazine in the U.S. on perpetual war. And uh, it went through that whole scenario. Uh, that from now on it'll be perpetual war. Now, when they say perpetual war, it's not just uh, localized to certain areas. It, it's it's everything. It's called total war. You better understand that. The concept of total war came out in about the 1920s and 30s. They'd already tried it to an extent in World War One with with limited aerial bombing. They didn't have the aircraft to be have big 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 bombers. Etc. in World War One, and these lot of, of balloons as two to zeppelins, etc. But in World War Two, uh, that was all changed. And in the thirties, they were training in Sandhurst Military Academy in, in Britain, 
the concept of total war. And even the ones who became the masters and the top generals in Hitler's army came over to Sandhurst to get taught this stuff. Because we always trained the best enemies, you see. And the concept of total war was now all society must be in it together. All of them. Every man, woman, and child must give their whole heart and mind, their spirit, if you like, to the war and believe everything they're told. But not only, not only that, you're then taken, put down as a participant in the war, and therefore you are a legitimate target to be taken out. And that's why uh, during the war, all sides would bomb uh, industrial areas, but also uh, Britain especially, uh, with the US, bombed uh, the areas where workers for factories were all housed. Massive, massive places. And that's the concept of total war. Total war means that you uh, also obey authority without question. Without question at all. And you're trained through, a, 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 say, a World War II scenario in that concept. It's to say farmers would not try to maximize the growth on their land, even if a lot of the land was unusable. It didn't matter. The government would take it from you. They'd steal your land. But they would call it requisition, you see. But they'd, stole, they'd steal your land. And some farmers, just like the Soviet Union um, did, some farmers would put up a fight and they'd kill the farmers. That happened in the Soviet Union when farmers would not hand their, their farms over to the state. And there's old footage, you can see them going round and having uh, these shootouts and killing the farmers and throwing grenades and stuff like that. You see, you have no rights in total war. Now, it's far better if you can coerce the public and most of them will always go along with authority for the fear of retribution if they don't comply. So now we're in the age of total war, perpetual war, and so many things have to be achieved during this whole period. You, you really can't cover all of it in uh, the short time I have here. But it's psychological. It's genetic change. It's attitudinal changes on so many different areas that have to become the normal, the authorized normal, uh, to prepare you for the next step, you see. And then the next step, too. It's an unending, perpetual war, you see. And under the guise of terrorism, everyone is suspect. Uh, if you disagree with certain government policies, you're now called anti-government, which is a, te- a term loosely translated from the Soviet term. But basically, that would, mean, that would mean really in a democratic society, the opposition party was anti-government if they complained what their party was doing. All right. So when you see nonsense being spoken, it doesn't make sense. Nonsense, you see. Then you've been told nonsense, bullshit, in other words, rubbish. But we go along with it, don't we? Because most folk don't question things. We're looked upon as animals. And unfortunately, the, the more, uh, in a sense, secular we become and more religious we become towards the scientific elite because it's a religion in itself too. Uh, and that's to overtake, of course, all other religions eventually is science. Then the less we question anything because it's scientific. It almost ends the argument. Oh, it's science, you know. Really, yeah. 
And they've got statistics to show anything that they want to show. Doesn't mean it's true. If you put five different people out to do a survey on, say, one place in Africa, for instance, and lots of folk do this for universities, they get grants all the time. Everybody's living on grants these days. This living well, that is. And if you told them a task, they'd all come back with different statistics on the same area. And, and those at the top take the ones they prefer because it fits in with the agenda and the social agenda and the plannings they have. So never, t- in fact, there's, a, there's whole departments dedicated on how to fudge statistics to impress the person who's been given the statistics, generally the public. And for instance, they can say 50% of the people said this to a survey and the other 50% said no. But they don't ask two people. There's so many ways that they use this all the time. Even in the polling data, they use it too. Because people, unfortunately, like the herd instinct, they tend to try and vote. Well, the majority are voting that way, so I'll go that way, simply because the majority are voting that way, you see. There's so many sad truths about humanity because I think we've all been damaged a long time ago, to be honest with you. You'd have a harder time fooling the so-called person who isn't against so-called arrested civilization, a primitive culture. You'd have a harder time to con that person than, than, than those in the so-called civilized societies. Far, far more difficult. You couldn't pull one over on them. You couldn't do it. So it's a sad thing that to say, but once you've been trained in an artificial structure, it's far easier to keep the cons going and to even alter them until you're facing 180 degrees years later, uh, where I say one thing, something that was right and wrong in one era becomes the opposite in the other era. That, that can happen so quickly today. How can it be right and then suddenly wrong? How can it be? How can it be? If you're using logic, how can it be? How can it be? And when you see something changing from the top, has been advocated from the top, something that was right and is now wrong, you have to really question why. Who gains from this? What is the real purpose of this change? But very few folk do. You're prompted, prompted and goaded to go along by the behaviorists that work in think tanks, advise all government departments and all the rest of it, and media, by the way. I mean, media have, 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 have top uh, people in editorial sections that go off to these functions all the time, run by government professionals from academia, who advise them on how to put things across the general public. Years ago, in fact, I remember, I think it was Ted Turner, uh, maybe in his groups of newspapers and so on, and, uh, said they were going to start to put more uh, positive things in the newspaper rather than the negative things because the economy had been basically plundered and given off to China. Uh, folk were despondent, um, uh, things looked very gloomy for the future, and therefore they'd give you sort of happy stuff. And lots of trivia. Well, that's been the format since. Now we get basically what we're supposed to believe about wars going on and so on, uh, and be caught up in that. 
but they offset it by this very childish technique of giving you simplicity and trivial stories of little ha-ha things and so on. Which is no different than, than how they, they put it across and say in World War Two, In the old path newsreels they used to give out. It's called Path News. It was one of the big ones, the authorised ones. Nothing but propaganda came out from there. I should also mention that I'd often go through the media and the articles that were dishing out by the bucket fools for us over the years. I'd do them on uh, live shows for, for years. But the reason I would do them was to point out the re- reasons why this was happening or that was happening or what you were supposed to believe by this and here's the other side of something. I'd explain it to you rather and just read it off and say this is fact. So uh, you can go on forever that way, of course. And it's not liked by those in authority if you do that. It's not liked at all if you can explain the whys of things. Uh, with, with facts, again, real facts that you're using as, uh, as uh, ammunition, you might say. Real facts, uh, which you could check out for yourself. So I always tell people, check it out for yourself and see what you think. See what you, you make of this. And don't stick with one story about the other side of the thing. Look at the, the history of things and how it led up to something. You'll find so many uh, contradictions with uh, the authorized versions. It's astonishing. Absolutely astonishing, in fact. Really astounding. But we're taught, again, to be caught up in something. And so I'm, I'm glad I don't have to just parrot off the, the, the news and explain things to you anymore because it's so boring to me. And really, uh, I shouldn't have to explain that because if if we're all thinking properly, we, we could figure these things out instantly for ourselves. But most of all, take the news, run with it, and have an emotional response to it and join one side or another. That's how the technique works. It's so simple. You have to stand back and always say what's to be gained and who would gain from from the belief in this story. What's the real objective of things? It hasn't changed, as I say, especially in the media since World War II, this incredible use of the media, all media, for propaganda purposes. They also have outlets there for those who would be potential anarchists, for instance, uh, to, to, to follow as well, which lead them around in circles. It kind of diffuses them to an extent, and uh, that gets rid of that element within society. There's nothing been overlooked by the authority, uh, as it's often been called, by those in control and those who help set up the system that we're living in present, many of whom are long dead, actually, uh, who set up the culture, uh, what we'd be taught, trained to believe, and all the rest of it, and the changes that we would experience in our lives. They had it all worked out like a, a step-by-step plan, right down to dates, where this would be now the new normal, and that would be introduced as a new normal, and by X amount of years, that 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 introduction would become would have become the normal. You see, you wouldn't have to keep on backing it up. It would be the standardised normal for people. So the elite realised a long time ago, and they they verbalised this after World War One, and then again after World War Two. The ones who ran and who were brought in to help set up the, the future cultures for the good of the elite. 
naturally the, the, the ruling elite. They brought IQ levels into it, all of this kind of thing in eugenics. But because uh, their own survival is, is of paramount importance. But they, they brought in these experts to talk about uh, how to manage the general populations through all these changes that they would eventually introduce to us and how we, we would be trained to accept it as normal. They've not worked out, and they're pretty good with their predictions, down to statistics of, of how much of a percentage would accept it readily and, and how many would have to work on a bit more, right down to the, the, the indoctrination of children. Uh, and how how they could perfect indoctrination techniques for children, uh, going as far back as experimental schools uh, in the 1920s, and what those children would grow up to believe, and how their behaviour from then on would be dictated by uh, their early indoctrinations. It's very, very true. It does work for most people, and it's, it's sometimes often difficult for people to break out of and think for themselves. But what the elite always did, and those advisors that were brought in after World War II said, uh, they, they were so happy to see how they could take over whole, a whole society for wartime purposes uh, and, and modify the behaviors and the beliefs of everyone uh, by, the, by scientific techniques. And they, but they knew that in a democratic society, a truly democratic society, those techniques would be less effective and may not work at all because you would, in a truly democratic society, uh, all varied opinions would be valid. You'd be, you'd be allowed to voice them in all media and they would all be valid. Uh, in a truly democratic society, you wouldn't train the public uh, into shunning people uh, that won't be politically correct and be updated with the new normals and so on. You wouldn't ostracize them, shun them, and say that they're bad, for instance. And lots of things have been we've been trained in lots of these techniques in, in recent times too. It's very evident. It's still going on. But uh, in a truly democratic society, that wouldn't work because, because those that you're trying to condemn would be allowed to speak out just as vocally as any other group, you see. And they would not be uh, uh, shunned or, or made to seem disingenuous or ridiculed in any way at all. Uh, so therefore, true democracy wouldn't work. And I've gone through some of the history of the Club of Rome, the big think tank that was set up. Uh, with by other big foundations all, that run most of the think tanks in the world, uh, and how they set up the Club of Rome to deal and tackle with these issues of how they would use the pretense of democracy as a, a cover, a sham, if you like, because it's, it's no good if folk don't think they're free. Uh, it's hard to manage folk then, but uh, to make them think that they're free, and in reality they wouldn't be free, they'd be being enslaved all the time. Especially the mind. The mind is the first to be enslaved. If you enslave the mind, then everything else follows quite easily. Uh, therefore, uh, a truly democratic society, say the Club of Rome back in the 70s, would never work uh, for, for creating this uh, utopic vision uh, for behalf of the, the, those with the high IQs, supposedly, because they're always boasting about their high IQs in academia. And... Uh, and the elite uh, that they served, those who ran the whole business and money side of things, the psychopath, the true good psychopaths, you know. So this would never work because they were so impressed by how the Soviet system 
that, that abolished all ideas of democracy or any other system competing with it by force, by slaughter, mass slaughter, millions slaughtered, uh, could get things done so fast and quickly. And the same with the, the, the Nazi government when it first came, came out too. Uh, they applauded it in all the different magazines and how Hitler had got the whole country on its feet so quickly after being punished from, for World War I and paying out all, most of his money uh, into reparations forever, forever, ever. That was the idea. And even writers at the, at the, uh, the convention, the first Versailles convention, convention, said that if they didn't do this properly and made Germany pay for all the war and the losses incurred to all the, the different countries that opposed them, then they'd be in a constant state of economic depression, poverty, hunger, and so on. So they'd have to fight their way out or uh, uh, out of it, uh, there's no other way they could recover for themselves. And that happened. That happened. So they were impressed by Hitler's uh, tremendous uh, effort within a few years, and he could mobilize, again using psychology and the technique of controlling the masses and uh, to get them back on their feet so quickly. And he also tore up the debt and issued their own currency so it was debt-free. And, and things like that. Uh, and uh, they're impressed by the way that they could get the public to obey him and worship him, in fact. Very impressed. Uh, how fast he could... Now, they could never do that in a democratic society, a truly democratic society. But even again, uh, don't forget this very vital point as well. Even in a truly democratic society, if there was ever such a thing, which I don't think there ever could be, uh, you, don't, you always have disaffected people who have a chip on their shoulder anyway, regardless of their, their, their social position, or even if they're in a higher economic income, uh, you'll always get those, that, that certain faction that simply want to destroy. And you'll also have the psychopathic element who can smell which way the wind is going, see which, which is going to be the winning team, where the support will come from the general public, they'll give it to them. And they get into it right away, and then they, they, they rule it and run it, you see. That's what happens in history. Uh, what we miss in what we think is a democratic society, what we miss very easily and, and, uh, and commonly, is the fact that we're trained to, to see uh, dictators, guys, in, uh, one guy with a uniform on, with other guys, with he's the main guy with a uniform on, you see. Uh, we don't see it with the business suits, and the varied faces we see uh, in a parliament, for instance, or a democracy, we don't see the fact that it has changed. We don't see that it has changed. We don't think of it as being totalitarian. The Lee have always said, uh, for a functioning society, how much freedom do you give the people? You see, and still keep some form of social order. And the anarchists will immediately rebel against just that. But, but the fact is, you have to have some form of common structure, or it would fall to pieces, and there would be chaos. And people would be stealing from each other and killing each other, etc. You have to have a basic, there, uh, a basic social structure. And earlier societies, and European societies and so on, there was a common social structure. It was a very simplistic one. But uh, people lived in small communities, and they were, in the early days, uh, 
self-sustaining, like the so-called arrested civilizations. Uh, they were self-sustaining. They made their own tools. There was a blacksmith here, and all, everything kind of worked together. But it was small, and the profit motive uh, wasn't like it is today. It's sky high, greedy, and corrupt. You see, so it could only work perhaps in that kind of system. And today's system, personally, I can't see how it can be possibly rectified. Because if you remember, some of the top economists came out a few years ago and said uh, greed is good. And that's what they're teaching in economics at universities. Greed is good. Uh, so we're all suffering from greed is good today. With a whole massive feeding group above us, feeding on all of us, expanding all the time with bureaucracies and so on, you know, who are living so well compared to the average person. They don't have the, the mental breakdowns that lower society has when, the, when their taxes go up and the cost of living is going through the roof for basic essentials and so on. Because they're, they're, their pay and their pensions is, is index-related to the cost of living automatically, all the time. So they don't suffer, and they can't get fired from a job like you can, you see. If you have that kind of structure, which doesn't have its consequences... Uh, look out, look out, because total corruption will rule. If you can't fix the corruption within the very structure that rules over you, uh, it's over, isn't it? And the hypocrisy, as I say, that's within basic human nature, when you can rationalize what you're doing, which may be wrong for the so-called greater good, you know, uh, in other words, for total social control, um, it may be wrong, but you'll go along with it for your paycheck and your status and your social approval from your own peer group. Uh, you, you can lie to yourself as much as you want. I mean, it's all wrong. I can remember cops back in Britain years ago. Totally different from the, the pre-Thatcherite era where um, you weren't scared to go up and talk to them as, as children, you know, and or adults for that matter, and you'd ask them the directions, and that they're awfully polite to you and they're nice to you. Uh, but they also would, would pound the beat. They got to know the people, you know them. And, and often they'd little, let, let kids off with minor things because they knew it was a childish thing. And, and it wasn't severe. And, and they'd just say, you know, son, this, this can happen to you. And so. And I knew cops that, that did that. So I knew, I've known cops in Canada uh, that have told me that this is what they did. Some of them liked their jobs in the country, for instance. They got to know the youngsters and would keep them on the straight and narrow. They were kind of like father figures a little. Not now. Not now. In fact, I remember in Toronto, uh, when I first came, I, I had to get directions, and I, I just said, well, these cops will ask them. And, and I, they, 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 kind of, they were kind of taken aback and on the defensive when I approached them. Because uh, it, was, it was a different mentality altogether. Completely different mentality. Now it's a lot worse. It's a lot worse because they're all out for promotion too now. That's the name of the game. And when they get, they're told to get more and more tickets out there for road offences, whatever it happens to be, uh, because the, the local government wants more cash or the city government wants more cash brought in. And that's all come out in the past. Let's not pretend anymore they actually do these these uh, these big uh, schemes to bring in extra cash at times. Uh, the cops go along with it. So it's a form of taxation. Now, the cops obviously know that, otherwise they'd be doing the same thing all the time. If it was so bad, they'd be doing it all the time. 
but but uh, they had these special blitzes, as they call it, to bring more cash in. And when I can remember years ago when the the city of Toronto cops were going to sort of work to rule, uh, and uh, that's what they were doing. The city was going through all these different antics to get them back on the job. Because they said they'd lose always massive amounts, many thousands of bucks a week on fines and tickets and all the rest of it. They, they, were, they were factoring that in, so-called crime. They were factoring crime, the, the, the profit from crime on tickets, into their budget. Now, when, when you can start factoring that into to, to your budget, and since they always want more cash, they start factoring more and more every year into their budget even though they're supposed to live within their budget from their taxation. Hypocrisy runs rampant, doesn't it, in this whole system? And most folk don't question it at all. And we won't mention or even discuss the, the, the mess we're often all, all in because of, of, of the hypocrisy as people become their jobs. Now remember that all societies are basically the same. They use the same techniques. They study each other in the modern world. They see what works for those in power, uh, those really in power, that is. And they use all the modern sciences as they come along and technologies in the same fashion. There's no exemption to this at all. Unless it's a small, very small country that can't afford all the technologies, the rest of them are all the same. The techniques that are used upon the people are all well studied and shared and, and used and implemented across the board. And so we have lots of dilemmas on our hands, basically, uh, as a people today uh, and for the future of tomorrow as well. It depends what freedom is, freedom of thought, speaking, or whatever it happens to be. And, of course, the stability of the, of the speaker, because there's lots of radical folk who are maybe even unstable, of course, and that exists as well. There's many factors involved, and uh, it's very difficult, as I say, to keep a sanity in this age. I mentioned that many, many years ago. The most difficult thing you'll have, that was from 9-11 onwards, with the, which I knew was the coming propaganda and the agenda for the century of change, I said, will be to hold on to your sanity as we go through all of this. Uh, it's very difficult. Very, there's not so many folk can really do it and retain uh, a form of calmness in them. They get caught up in the, in the emotive qualities uh, that are generated by the topics they're given to, as news, for instance, that kind of thing. And if you do that, you, you'll, you'll miss the point of, of what's behind it, what's it really going to, etc., and why has it been done. Now remember, two folks, that uh, I rely upon you to keep me ticking along here. You can get the books and you can get discs from me at cuttingthroughmatrix.com and alanwattsentinel.eu and all the other websites I have under the Cutting Through the Matrix group. Uh, and you can uh, order them, tell you how to order them. And you can also donate, because I don't make a business out of this. I'm not selling you uh, any, any fancy products uh, to make you live forever or anything else. I'm simply uh, giving you information, which is a form of life science, you might say, because the science of life is thinking without thinking, uh, real thinking, that is. It's all over. You're not your own person at all. You're someone else's.
your creation of someone else's uh, technique, uh, often many folks' technique. But uh, that's the way it is. So you can help me out too and get me to get along here because I've got so much more to do. And this year I've been uh, working hard on, on other things and things which I, I simply uh, I try to catch up on too. I postponed for years, even basic things I had to attend to and try to fix things around, around here is just never ending too. Very, very important things. You get one crisis after another, it's never ending. I'm sure you you know what I'm talking about. You're all going through similar things too. So if you, can, if you send a buck here or there, and for the other hosts too, they're constantly uh, repeating the stuff I put out there. It's nice to get a mention once in a while, uh, but uh, very few actually do that. It's a pity because it would certainly help me out the, the this hole that I am in. Because I, as I say, I don't push uh, as a business. I don't push uh, myself. I don't give you a lot of propaganda for myself. I just give you information which is uh, from thinking, basically, really thinking, and the proper way to do it, at least asking the right questions. And the geoengineering that goes on, uh, we're all getting it, of course, because this is to be perpetual from now on. In fact, in that recent uh, study, put out, or debate is going on right now, in fact, about the geoengineers, it's not debate at all. Uh, it's a propaganda tech exercise, really. They're all getting grants and have been for years for, for being involved in the spring, uh, as they pretend they're going to do it one day. But if, And they've said now, if they, if they ever start doing it, uh, they couldn't stop doing it because chaos would result in the weather, chaos. Well, we're getting chaos with them doing it, folks. Uh, and we know that too. But there's a big con right there. Once they start, every government will have to sign on that you hand all responsibility for future preservation of life on the planet to them. Oh, what a beautiful racket that is, isn't it? Well, from Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God, where your gods go with you. <laughs>